Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Hey, have you ever considered that companies spend billions of dollars a year trying to get an image in front of your nose? And it's called a brand. They spend billions of dollars on their brand. And the reason they spend so much money on their brand is that in one image, it can conjure up everything as to who they are as an organization and also what it is they're about or what it is that they sell their one thing. And you may not realize that you're a part of this incredible economic world of branding, but these brands become etched into your brain. You start to know them instinctively. In fact, uh, you can prove that to me. I need a bit of your help, but I, I need to know when we look at some of these different brands, this first one here, what is that selling? Fast food. There we go. There we go. It's just, it's just an image. It's just colours on a page. There's nothing else. What's this next one selling? Yeah, not fruit and vegetables. Computers. Apple. The best type of computers, by the way. The computer that God runs the universe on, an Apple, uh, an Apple computer. What about, what about this one? Oh, you knew that way too easily. You didn't listen to my stuff sermon, did you? You know, you just, oh, oh it's MasterCard. Woo! <laughs> all right, so if it, if it conjures it up what it's all about, what about this logo? What does this logo represent? Christians. Christians. So naturally then, my question is, well... What is a Christian? Or more specifically, if you are a Christian, what made you a Christian? See, for some of you, it's because you prayed a prayer, right? You prayed a prayer and that's what made you a Christian. Or some of you would say, well, I got baptized when I was a kid or I got confirmed when I was a kid. Or you got taught something about what you were supposed to believe that's what made you a Christian. Or some of you got brought up in churches where you were taught to behave a certain way. And that's what made you a Christian, right? Prayer and baptism and believing and behaving. That's what made you a Christian. And as a result, what we find throughout the world, and I'm sure you've seen this, is that you get all this wide variability of Christians. I mean, as a result, you get Christians that think their brand is the true brand. You know those types of Christians? They kind of look at all the other brands and go, oh, no, they're a Catholic. They can't be a Christian. Or you get people that go, oh, you know, those liberal Episcopalians. Or you get people go, oh, that uniting church type. Or not those prosperity Pentecostals. You know, they're not like us. We're the one true brand. <laughs> Our brand, the Churches of Christ. We're the one true brand. Or you get people at the other end of the spectrum who, who say, well, you know, it's, it's, you can't used to be a Christian. It's... It's once in, always in. Once in, always in. And then suddenly you get people at the other end of the spectrum going, no, 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 it's not once in, always in. And so as a result, you grew up in a church where you were kind of terrified that if you had a bender on Friday night or a really big night, you're not quite sure if you're a Christian when you got to church on a Sunday. Amen? And they got people that say, well, it's the way that we behave that makes us Christians. No, it's, uh, you get others that say, you know, I used to be a Christian once, but now I'm spiritual. And then you get people to say, just frankly, as a result, they say, well, I hate Christians because they're just judgmental moralists 
who think that they're all going to heaven and secretly relish that everyone else is going to hell. And as a result, that's what happens, that if you are a Christian and someone comes up to you in the street and says, hey, are you a Christian? Which, by the way, would never happen. (laughs) Unless you're wearing one of those big kind of boards to say the end is near, you know, maybe. But they wouldn't come up and say that to you. And if they did, if someone said to you, are you a Christian? You would probably qualify it, right? You would say, yeah, I, I kind of am, but I'm not like those ones. I am, but I'm not like that type. I am, but we don't believe in... Ever felt yourself doing this? And there is a problem. That if you ask five different people what a Christian is, you'll get five different answers. And so I thought this morning and over the next couple of weeks, why don't we rediscover what Christian means? Let's rediscover what it is so we can rebrand the brand and we can live lives that are in in accordance as to what the brand is really about. Now, when the good news this morning for you too is if you're intrigued or a guest with us or someone's dragged you along to church, maybe you've been burnt by the church or you've been hurt by the church, uh, what you would find fascinating, maybe you're watching online and giving Christianity just one last shot. Uh, the good news for you this morning is that everything that I've just said about modern day Christianity is incorrect. You don't pray to become a Christian. You don't just get baptized to become a Christian. You don't behave a certain way to become a Christian. You don't uphold a certain belief to become a certain Christian. And the reason, and I know some of you are already going, what, what, what is he talking about? You know, this, is, this guy's a heretic. What's he going on about? Uh, look, there was no brand when the church was first a church. And that's what I want to show you this morning. And here's something interesting. It's fascinating. Uh, and by the way, you can write it down because it might be helpful in your Thursday night pub trivia this week. But did you know that the word Christian is only ever used three times in the entire Bible? Three times it's used. And it's not defined, in fact, what we're going to discover today. That is that the term Christian was actually a put-down, it was a derogatory term. It was a nickname. And we'll discover that the Jesus community never used the term Christian, to describe themselves. The term Christian was a term used by outsiders to somehow describe what they were observing in the people that followed Jesus. And uh, so, the followers of Jesus never called themselves Christians. And here's the other one, by the way, too, just a quick side note. Christian was always used as an adjective, a describing word. It was never a noun. And so, there was no such thing as Christian schools and Christian businesses, and Christian supermarkets, and Christian bookstores. There was none of that. It was a descriptive nickname given to the very first people that were following Jesus. And so, I want to show an example of where it all started in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really not a book, it's just a series of manuscripts or uh, blogs, so to speak, of how the early church came to be. And what you'll see in the book of Acts is that a great persecution breaks out against the church early on. Uh, bad things start happening. People try to start killing these followers of Jesus and they spread everywhere. And so they spread all the way out to a town called Antioch in modern day Turkey. And the believers go out that way and 
they set up home in Antioch and they start telling everyone in the town of Antioch, hey, this is what we've seen back in Jerusalem. Like, there was this guy who was alive and, and he was living and he said he was the son of God and then they crucified him and he died and then he came back from the dead and we saw that. We saw that people come back from the dead. And so all of these, all of these Greek-speaking, Roman-minded people started to put their faith in what they were saying. Not in the Bible, by the way. In the central message that people come back from the dead. And the church starts at Antioch. And so the church starts at Antioch. And, and then, oh, we're so good at this. And then, then the church at the time gets wind that all of these non-churchy type people are becoming followers of Jesus. And so there's a big hoo-ha and they have to go back to the Jerusalem church to work it out. They have to go back to them, those Christians. Always ever notice how there's always those Christians back there? They have to go back and work it out in the Jerusalem council and James, the brother of Jesus, head of the church, says, we need to work these Antioch people out, send in our best super disciple Barnabas, and he's going to go out there, but he needs some help, he needs some backup, so they get a really zealous, another super follower of Jesus called Saul, who's now become Paul because he was trying to kill the followers of Jesus, and now he is a follower of Jesus, and they go to Antioch, and here's where we come to the passage this morning, really, the blog, the tweet, the Instagram post, whatever you want to call it, it was just a record of what happened. Then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And then next slide, Peter. The disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. So question class. Who called who Christians? It wasn't the Christians calling themselves Christians. This is after Jesus has been resurrected. This is after the Jerusalem church is taken after. This is after a persecution breaks out against the church. This is after it's spread all the way out to modern Turkey. And it's only at that point that we first then see the word Christian. So what's the point? I don't know, I just thought it was interesting. (laughs) The point is, guys, Christians never called themselves Christians. It was a derogative term, it was a descriptive term to people that they were observing primarily adhered to a person, Jesus, not a belief system, not a religion. And and so it was a it was it was a derogatory nickname, and it was like calling them geeks, or nerds, or yuppies, or bogans. It was, it was not a fun word. They couldn't work out why these people were so remarkably different. Like in the church of Antioch, was divided up into four sections because it, it had the population density as much as or more than modern-day New York. And in order to keep the peace in the city, they divided it into quarters so all the different races could be kept from each other. And you know how they worked out who the Christians were? It's all the people jumping over the walls to do church. And they couldn't describe it in this society that kept everyone separate, rich and poor and the racially diverse are all getting together to do church. And they go, what do we we call this? And some bright spark goes, oh, I don't know, I think we'll just call them um, Christos, Christos, that's who they keep talking... We'll call them 
Christians. At Antioch, they were first called Christians. And they never called them that phrase themselves. In fact, before they got their nickname, they used a phrase that is uh, far more terrifying and it's far more direct and it's far more convicting and it's far more costly. And here's the phrase that they used. Disciples. Mathetes in the Greek. Learner, pupil, apprentice, adherent, follower. Notice at no point in that do you see attender. Or at worst, defender. Don't we get some defenders in the Christian faith? Learner, pupil, apprentice, adherent, follower. And so if you were to ask the followers of Jesus what they were, what they would call themselves, they would go, Christians, no, we're, we're disciples. We're followers of Jesus. In other words, we are, as Dallas Willard would say, we've just been learning from Jesus how to live my life if he were me. It's not WWJD, it would be WHWJLM. L-I, right? How would Jesus live my life if he were me? (laughs) Hear the difference? And so it begs a question for us this morning. You might say you're a Christian, but are you a disciple? Are you a follower? And, you know, the answer to that can get really scary, and here's why. Have you ever thought about this? One of the reasons why we just can't get along as Christians, one of the reasons there's so much variability, one of the reasons there are so many knockoff, spin-off versions of Christianity, one of the reasons you get people on both sides of political issues that call themselves Christians, one of the reasons you get so many denominations happening is because when you look for the word Christian in the Bible, Christian and Christianity is not really in the New Testament. Apart from these sorts of verses, Acts chapter 11.26, the disciples were called Christian. The Word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. When Paul came to Jerusalem, he joined the disciples, and he was really a disciple. And there were even female disciples. In Joppa, there were disciples. You're getting the point? You don't find the term Christian in the Bible, and it's not defined, which is, this is why where it gets scary. Because if it's not defined in the Bible, then for the modern Christian like you and I, well, then we can start saying, well, I think a Christian is defined by the sort of person that believes this. Or a Christian is defined by the sort of person who votes for them. Or a Christian is defined by the sort of person who behaves like this. And guess what? If anyone challenges you on that, they can't use the Bible to tell you that you're wrong because it's not in the Bible. Make sense? And so here's where it gets really scary. If you then embrace the original insider's term disciples, then things heat up. Because if you now start to embrace a standard of following rather than a standard of attending or a standard of believing or a standard of defending at the worst, if you start to do that, then what you're going to find is that that's a more time-intensive, that's a more consuming, that's... That's a more costly definition of the word that you and I can't really wiggle out of. Follower, disciple, methetes, learner. <laughs> so, I thought this morning, given the complexity of this concept, 
What if we just worked on one thing? Why don't we just start easy? Why don't we just work on one thing? And I want to take you to a moment in Jesus' teaching. This is your application point, by the way, for all of you note takers, right? Sharon, I see that pen. It's beautiful. <laughs> Scotty, I see. You'll, t- you'll tweet this, man. Yeah, you'll do a story. Yeah, that's good. Just one point. You don't have to do three. Save the ink. I want to take you to a moment in Jesus' ministry where Jesus himself gives his disciples, his followers, his methetes, he gives, them, he gives them the one thing that's the bottom line. He says, for all the definitions, you know, one day there are going to be people in modern day crow's nest, they're going to get confused, it's going to be all sorts of, my church is going to splinter in all sorts of crazy different branches and variations, so they want to get back to the real thing. I just can keep it really simple to begin with, and he keeps it really simple. He gets to this one thing, and what I'm about to tell you is not new information. Like, you would have heard this in Sunday school. You would have heard this in church over and over and over again. When you hear this, you're not going to go, wow, what revelation, pastor. Amen. You're not going to think that. Um, because often, if you notice, and I've said this before, often what we need in church is not more information. We need revelation. We need the same stuff new. And you know what? If the original... Christians had kind of ditched the whole, like, let's not do the Christian thing, but do the disciple thing, and got what Jesus is about to teach now to us, and maybe, and I could sound a bit exaggerated here, like, maybe there wouldn't be a world war. Maybe there wouldn't be racial divides. And maybe there wouldn't be all forms of discrimination happening in the society we have, if they lived on the basis of what Jesus is about to teach us. And frankly, you know, it was, it was the application of what he's about to teach now that caused people to jump the walls in Antioch. And it was the thing that caused people to jump out of their long-established pagan religions and jump into this thing called the church and become followers of Jesus, which would then later turn itself into a religion. And can I suggest to you, if we get this right, this will be the thing that could take, you know, everyone that's... 50 metres from us here having smashed avocado as we speak and jump into a place like this and say, oh, I want to follow that guy. If we get this bottom line, you ready for it? This is what Jesus says in John 13. He says, a new command I give you. <laughs> Love one another. There we go, I told you it was one line. <laughs> Love one another. As I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my Christians. Oops. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this, everyone will know that you've been learning to live your life as if I was leading it for you. By this, people will come to know that you are different from the rest of the world. By this, people will come to know that there is a supernatural power at work in your life that makes no sense. By this, people will know that there is a God and that you are reversed in the usual trend of self-interest and darkness that happens in the world around us. By this, people will know that you are a Jesus follower. By this, you will truly define what it means to be a Christian. Love one another. And as we finished, and if you're wondering about this or need to be reminded about this, have you noticed in this that Jesus is, Jesus is not commanding us to feel something? Jesus is not commanding us to believe something? Jesus is not commanding us to defend something? Jesus is commanding us to do something. 
And so, I don't know. I, I just kind of wonder, what if we just start with that? What if we just start with that? What if, what if we just started treating other people the way that Jesus commanded us to treat people? And by the way, I don't want to overload you this morning. Can we, let's just start with people inside the church. <laughs> Not everyone. I don't want you to have to do too much homework, right? But let's just start loving people inside the church. And chatting to colleagues, chatting to friends, seeing what I've witnessed over the last couple of years across the church at large. Christians still kind of haven't worked out how to love each other, let alone the rest of the world. <laughs> so for us, we're just going to start simple. How do, how do we love each other? To which some of you are saying, well, how do I apply that, Sam? No, it's a principle, not a practice. God, through the Holy Spirit, will show you what it means to love your brother or sister. And the good news for you is the only way it's going to happen is if you do life with people who are so radically and completely different that they just rub you up the wrong way. And they're the sort of people that you go, oh, they frustrate the daylights out of me. And you'll hear Jesus say, love them. Love them. Find a way to love them. Love them. Let's take baby steps towards rebranding the brand and and let's take baby steps towards not what we believe or how we attend or what we need to defend let's take baby steps towards how we treat each other because you know what you can tell me that you're a christian but i can tell you by the way that you live your life whether you're a disciple and there's a big difference and so the question for you this morning is are you a christian or are you a disciple are you a Christian? Sure. Are you a disciple? Different question. And so look, finally, particularly the, particularly the not yet Christians or the ones that have walked away from the church, you've been hurt or burnt by the church, to those this morning who are saying, you know what, I, I hate Christians. You know, they're judgmental moralists who think they're all going to heaven and everyone else is secretly going to hell. You know what, if... If I saw the way that your mum treated your dad and he called himself a Christian, then maybe I would feel the way that you do. If I grew up in the church that you grew up in and saw that the things that they said and did, then maybe I would feel the way that you do. If I had the Christian friends that were giving you all sorts of advice that hurt you and pained you in your time of need, then maybe I'd feel the way that you do. So, look, if that is you this morning, I don't blame you. And I understand and I'm sorry we're not perfect either in this place, but I hope that you see this morning is that we will do all that we can to get the definition right. And so, you know, you may well out of that saying, I'm never, I'm never going to go back to the church and I'm never going to become a Christian. And you may never be open to anything about Christianity again. But here's the one thing, if I could just put a little wedge in there, I sure hope that you won't reject Jesus. Because what if it is possible <laughs> that Jesus is who he says he is? And that he's the son of God and he came from heaven to earth and he kicked a hole in the side of the universe and he appeared in the form of a man and he lived and he breathed and he modeled the perfect way to live life and he died and he, res he was resurrected and people come back to life again. And then from that, he is now inviting you into a journey where he turns you into the best version of yourself than you can possibly be. That's his invitation to you this morning. And that's my invitation to you this morning. I don't, I'm not inviting you to attend. I'm not inviting you to believe this morning. I'm not inviting you to defend anything this morning. 
I'm not inviting you to learn anything this morning. I'm inviting you to follow. In fact, it's not me. He's inviting you to follow. He's inviting. And if we get the follow thing right, then maybe, just maybe, we might start rebranding the brand. We'll talk more about it next week. Let's pray. Father, as we move out of this place, there's going to be multiple micro moments. The words we use, the words we choose not to use. The calls we make, the calls we don't make. The opinions that we're going to so vehemently hold to. The positions and the postures that we feel that we have to stand upon. All of these, Father God, are the threshold moments as to whether or not those whose lives you have placed us into will see a brand that remains confused, remains questionable, and whether or not they see a disciple. I pray for your grace in the moments where we all get it wrong. Thank you for your grace and your power that your church is where it is today. Wouldn't have happened without that. And so I pray ahead in each and every one of us that as we move out of this space, there'd just be an opportunity for us to reimagine uh, both the simplicity and the beauty of our followership of you, Lord Jesus. And in so doing, I pray for a whole bunch of mini Jesus in front of me this morning, Lord, that uh, will take your command to love others into their world. By your Holy Spirit, will you reveal to us how you want to shape us, grow us, and apply that in our specific circumstances. And therein lies the deep mystery of your activity in the world. Be with us, Lord, I pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.